Hello and welcome to another edition of my freelancing podcast. This is Jay here. So today I want to speak about uh, something. Normally I speak about one thing, but a lot of times I start recording and then I, I start talking about all kind of related things. So today I'm going to start right away with a, a combination of topics. One is what I like to call fragile ego, right? Um, and uh, also what I like to use the phrase, I have it in my notes here. I mean, of course I have notes. I mean, a guy like me cannot survive without notes and documentation. So another thing is overinflated self-worth. Now, I don't know if these phrases are valid or the English grammar is correct, but I'm going to assume it makes sense. So really the title is fragile egos and overinflated self-worth. So I get to meet a lot of people. I'm a tutor and lately I've been doing workshops on freelancing, even getting paid a lot of money for doing that. I'm coaching uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, not a lot, like a few of them, because I rarely work with more than two or three clients at any given point of time. So I provide advice on how to build a business, how to run a business, identify flaws and things like that. And of course, I'll meet a lot of angsters because of my career and we have a I own a trading company now and we are drumming up some marketing where we want to conduct workshops to the youth uh, about how to become freelancers because you look at the economy, all the predictions, all the layoffs, I have a feeling we are, we are about to enter a recession or we are already in recession or maybe the economy will keep growing but it will be a jobless growth as people keep saying a lot of times. But anyway... So whether it is recession or layoffs or whatever is happening, irrespective of those factors, people, you know, those who want to become freelancers or those who are already freelancers, but still somehow, you know, some people, they don't seem to make progress in their career. I'm strictly talking about freelancing here, but this can apply to other businesses or uh, jobs as well. But I'm going to keep freelancing as a frame of reference. You know, like when I started freelancing, a lot of other people are also trying to get into the game. And uh, of course, you know, to be able to speak about these things, I must have some amount of success. So I mean, that is why I do this podcast, because I've been somehow managed to make a living. I wouldn't say I'm like super rich or something or like super awesome or something. But I do have minimal debt. I have a reasonably luxurious life. So I have the right to speak about these things. I hope so. Until I also go into collapsing and experience a lot of failure and stuff like that. Till then, I'm going to keep talking about this stuff. So egos, right? I mean, I I touch upon this almost all the time. I mean, it is very important to have certain amount of pride and ego a lot of times I get confused, like pride and ego are the same things or they're different things and it doesn't matter. So it is important that you have a, a, a certain amount of pride and ego with you. You know, like, like for example, like whenever I travel or something, a lot of times uh, I usually travel in the first class compartment. So a lot of people who travel with me are also like, like really the upper class people, you know, like. Uh, mostly wealthy people or successful businessmen and stuff like that. So I don't get to show off in front of them. I don't want to or I shouldn't. <laughs> uh, but every now and then, uh, you know, I will be forced to travel like when I'm visiting remote places and stuff like that. I'll have to mix up with the general crowd, especially in trains. And I meet a lot of people uh, and then they'll ask me what I'm doing and stuff like that. And I tell them, I tell them about my lifestyle. I tell them to Google my name. I tell them about my 
company or I tell them about my failed marriage, I tell them about my failed companies, I tell them about all these things and usually they are all very impressed. And of course, you know, they are, they are perfect strangers. They could be just being nice to me, polite to me, but some of them really do get taken away by me and they start praising me, uh, sometimes a little too much. Uh, so yeah, a little bit of ego is cool. It helps. But the problem is when you start making decisions uh, based solely on ego. And I meet such people a lot. And even with myself, I one thing I told myself in freelancing is when I, I, I don't have the or I shouldn't have the, or maybe I should have, I, I don't have it. I don't have the, when I started my, this whole, you know, one person, small business, or even my company and everything, uh, all my life, very rarely do I have like a, a support system. I mean, I guess that is normal for a lot of people uh, because I don't know, uh, I mean, no one in my family supports my lifestyle. I'm not even talking about my personal life. I mean, that is okay. That is messed up. I get it. But even my business lifestyle, career lifestyle, all my life, nobody supported whatever it is that I want to do, no matter how perfectly reasonable it was. I still remember, like, when I was 17, I had to fight with my dad. Well, I don't want to call him dad because that's a nice word. I'll call him my mother's husband. So I had to fight with my mother's husband to simply choose the degree that I wanted to study. I mean, I literally had to fight and then... Yeah, he was imposing upon me what he thought was, uh, you know, the good for my life. And, and the thing is, I've been telling my mother's husband for almost five years at that point what I want to do in my life. Like five years, you know, since high school, I've been telling him, look, man, I like computers, so I want to do a computer science degree. And it's not strange or something. I'm not trying to become a painter or a, a movie director or whatever. No, man, I'm just, I just want to do a degree in computer science. You know, it's, I thought that was perfectly reasonable. It has good career prospects and everything, but still, he didn't like it. He wanted me to do something else. And I had to fight for it. And I was 17, like 10, and, uh, you know, I, I spent a lifetime being malnourished and, you know, emotionally abused and physically abused by my uncle, by my mother's husband and everybody. But still, I stood my ground. I don't care what happens. I'm going to be a computer science degree student. Eventually, I got my way. But he, of course, after... Well, you know, for the next few years and for the rest of my life, he is indifferent. Even now, even now when he's close to death, he's indifferent to my career. Yeah, that's what happens, right? But anyway, so yeah, uh, I don't have the support system. I never did. So I told myself, I, as it is, as a freelancer, I already have so many challenges in my life. The last thing I should be doing is put up unnecessary self-imposed challenges, which will hinder my growth as a... A freelancer and one of those things is I told myself no matter what happens we will bend our head if necessary right I mean I have ego a lot of people have complained I have a massive amount of ego and that is true but if the occasion calls for it I will forget my ego I will forget my pride and adapt to changing circumstances you know that is very important I mean, I don't mind bowing my head when I see someone pointing out that I have some serious flaws, especially from a client or a person who's achieved some sense of success, right? I mean, I do have an idea about what I'm worth, but I don't want to inflate 
my worthiness. I, I, there was this time I remember in 2014 where I was still really struggling to build my freelancing business. And one client, he, I was not delivering the goods. You know, it, you know it, how it happens in life, right? Like last week, I remember, I mean, normally I have a pretty cushy life, you know. I, I work, I mean, again, I'm always bragging about it. I, I get to sleep like 10, 12 hours every day. I work only 15 hours per week and all that. Uh, but then every now and then, you know, last week, one, one specific between 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., four people from different parts of the world fixed appointments with me. <laughs> so suddenly for those four hours, I was working back to back to back. You know, <laughs> you know it happens, you know, no matter how much uh, I try to space things out. You know, these things happen. Suddenly, you know, universe just jumps on you. You can't help it, right? So similarly, um, you know, I told myself when I was you know, getting into the freelancing game, I promised myself and, and I, I've kept that promise. Like, hey, you know what? Pride and ego are good, but if the occasion calls for it, we will bow our head. We'll compromise on that, especially when, when the situation is being created by something far superior than what you are. Same thing with the self-worth. You know, you should have a self-worth. You should know what you're worth, but you should also know that circumstances are always changing. And, and, and what I notice with young people, those who are unemployed, I mean, obviously, I, I maintain this all the time. There are some young people who look at me and they're like, oh, Jay, sir, or Jay, Man, your lifestyle is cool. I mean, sure, your personal life is a mess, but your professional life seems cool. I would like to be like you. And I always remind them, please, man, don't become like me. Obviously, my personal life is a mess. You obviously don't want to mimic that. But even my professional life, a full-time freelancing is not for you or anybody. I don't recommend that to anyone. So, But become a part-time freelancer. I always tell them. I make sure people know the dangers of being a full-time freelancing like me. So freelancing should always be a part-time entity, right? So when I meet these youngsters, when I meet these young people or people who've been laid off, again, laid off, and obviously they want to do some hustling till they get a job or something, I always make sure to tell them, ask them, hey, what do you think of yourself, you know? And then what, what I see when I talk to them, is that although they seek me out for advice, I realize the the environment has become charged. Uh, perhaps because usually when people pick up freelancing, they're already desperate. I don't think anyone seeks out freelancing. You know, I mean, I think in that sense, I I am one of those rare people. Like I seeked out freelancing. Like I had plenty of job opportunities, but mental health issues and stuff like that, which I've talked about, I think, if not in this podcast, in my main podcast or my blog and all. So I seeked out freelancing because I had nothing else going on. So uh, in terms of what I wanted in life and stuff like that, but I always had job offers, like people always wanted to hire me. Uh, and um, I never had any shortage of jobs. I say that with a sense of pride, but I have worked hard to have this, such skills. So again, self-worth, you know, a little bit of pride and ego there. But ultimately, a lot of times when people approach me uh, with questions about freelancing and stuff like that, they're already desperate. And you know what happens, right? I mean, folks don't like to talk about it when you're unemployed. It is a huge blow to your morale, especially if you're a man. 
I mean, I, I, I don't know how unemployment affects women, but a lot of times, at least the women I meet and the women around me, they don't have like, you know, if they don't have employment, like a woman doesn't have an employment, the, the floor doesn't fall off because a woman can always, uh, you know, find someone to take care of her, you know, whether it's the parents or siblings or a husband or a boyfriend or, or even a random stranger or children, there is always somebody waiting to support her. I mean, I, I, I mean I'm, I'm not in a position to discuss if that is right or wrong in terms of women empowerment and, and where women stand in the society and how they are used. I, I, that's beyond the scope of my own expressions. But for a man, though, such a support system doesn't exist, at least not where I come from. I don't have that support system. If I stop earning today, nobody is going to even talk to me. <laughs> I will be totally isolated. You know, I will be made fun of on. I'll be spit upon even, maybe even literally, I don't know. Um, and I'll be totally shit-canned. I think I can use that word. I hope that's not a dirty word. So I have to, I don't have a support system to fall back on if I stop earning. I have to earn to maintain a modicum of respect in the society. So when, when these people, mostly guys, approach me for freelancing and I talk to them, I counsel them. If, you know, usually I, I do it for free. I, I only get paid from companies and startup guys who actually have money. If somebody is, doesn't have money, I provide them free advice, free counseling. I do that, you know, I do my part. Uh, so, when I talk to them, what I realize is sometimes, you know, well, as I said, they are desperate. They are already desperate by the time they come. Hold on, I'm going to take a sip of my tea. By the time they come to me, they are already desperate. I mean, nobody comes to freelancing with joy. It is always a, a last resort. And I guess that is normal. I mean, again... Right? It's, it's like when I was in college, my professor used to constantly make fun of teachers. I mean, he himself is a teacher, but he was a part-time teacher. He would say, teaching is the profession of last resort. He would constantly remind us that, you know, anybody who's become a teacher or a faculty is usually the kind of person who has realized or tried to get some other job and couldn't get it or realizes that they, what, they won't survive. And that is when they become teachers or faculties because they can't get a job anywhere else. And, you know, I, I, and this it kind of makes sense. I mean, with all due respect to teachers, I myself am a teacher. Uh, I've, this kind of makes sense because, you know, when we are growing up, whether it is school or high school or pre-university, university, post-university, and of course, now as a professional, when I meet teachers, what I notice is I see that they, they are not really as qualified as they should be. Uh, I mean, like, I still remember my first year of engineering. I'm like 17 years old. And I would ask my faculty like a computer doubt. And she had no idea. And, and she's a professor. She had no idea about you know, whatever it is, the questions I was asking. And I'm a 17-year-old asking basic questions from the first chapter of the textbook. And, and then she wouldn't know. And, and she was polite about it. You know, one thing I like about teachers, you know, most of them are women and they're usually very polite, very motherly. Um, 
and that is cool but ultimately you talk to them you can see in their eyes like they are trying to tell you without being explicit about it that they would be really happy if i just stopped asking them questions so in my engineering and again this has been repeated in school high school i'm just using the engineering thing because that is where i really start becoming like a man and where i really start caring about my career before that i didn't care that my questions were unanswered but in engineering i was trying to build my life you know already as a man i was getting that pressure from from family from friends from society that i have to get a job so things are getting serious so i was really disappointed but eventually i realized like i thought she was alone in not being able to help me out but then as i met more faculties including male faculties i soon realized most of them have no idea about what they are doing i mean one faculty not knowing what they are doing is strange but then when an entire campus of faculties not knowing what they are doing is huh right i mean that was like a I don't know it was like a shocking thing but slowly I realized that is how it is because after that I started I mean I studied in some of the best universities in my part of the country so I went ahead you know I had my bike back then I would roam around I had friends all over the city I would meet them obviously I was I had a lot of female friends as well spread all over the city for for personal reasons so whenever I meet them I would ask them and the experience was the same and then i'm like wow okay so then when you come back and connect that experience with what my mba professor would say that teaching is a a profession of last career i mean a profession of last resort it kind of makes sense doesn't it and even now whenever i meet a faculty i avoid asking them anything related to their job or anything which would make them work hard because i know they won't know it and in fact a lot of my friends who were like really dull and boring and had no idea about what they were doing in the campus many of them are now faculties and they have phd's and all that and i keep thinking wow this guy couldn't even turn on a computer and he's a a professor with a phd teaching programming in his college and i'm like oh my god that is where it is the circle is complete But anyway, so coming back, right? I mean, so you when you come, when you approach uh, me, or you start looking up freelancing as an option, you are usually in a desperate position, especially as a man, because you are being cooked, perhaps literally. I don't know. So you need to make money somehow. And the problem is, somehow, even though you are new to freelancing, or even if you are doing freelancing, but endlessly complaining that you are not making enough, or you are being offered very less money and that is when you usually approach someone like me the problem is you are not able to look at yourself in the mirror you know you look at yourself and for whatever reason you told yourself you convinced yourself perhaps unconsciously you know a lot of things in life happen unconsciously you're not even doing things purposefully and that is where i say it's like a blameless game you know it's like it's like sometimes people do something they don't even realize they are doing it they're just doing it without thinking about it it's like it's just one of those things you know it's just one of those things and i don't blame anybody about these some things really are unconscious sometimes it seems like it's purposeful but a lot of times it is not you know that's another thing i i do a lot of observation 
And I see a lot of times I don't even blame people. I don't even get angry at them. I just assume or in a lot of times it's true. So if you're a freelancer or you're trying to become one, you have to accept that maybe, just maybe you're not as, you know, talented as you think you are. So whatever in your head you feel you're worth, maybe that is not true. Because ultimately, the only real truth in life is how much money you're making. I mean, unless you're doing something unethical or illegal, you are usually being paid what the market has decided. You know, I, I am a big believer in capitalism. I mean, I do a lot of charity stuff and stuff like that. Sometimes I get philosophical. But ultimately, as a, as a freelancer, as a small business owner, um, I know that... Uh, ultimately you know unless your your government steps in and stuff like that you know i mean then again freelancing you know <laughs> you know market decides what you get paid so that is the ultimate truth is it a fair thing is it an unfair thing i don't know but ultimately the money you make decides the truth so if you be trying to freelance you're you're doing freelancing for like a year or something and you are being only being offered less price then that is your worth whether you like it or don't like it is irrelevant. You know, so whatever self-worth you have, you need to compromise on that or get out of the game. Yeah, you, know, you don't like it, don't do it. You know, it's like last month, I, I fell sick. The weather suddenly changed. I had to cancel two vacations. I had to cancel my New Year plans. I was looking forward to it because for the last three years, I haven't had any New Year celebrations because of pandemic-related problems. So, but then I fell sick. The weather just changed. I can't get angry about it. And the worst part is, I've known since childhood that my body is very weak every time there is winter. Every time there is winter, I fall sick. It's just what it is. I can't fight against it. I just need to accept it. It is the ultimate truth. I can get upset. I can, I can curse God or something. You know, like get angry, shout things, you know, at night and look at the sky or something. No, that doesn't change the fact that I am ultimately sick. I'm not well. I have fallen sick. And that's not going to change. There's nothing that can change it. So same thing with freelancing. I know it's apples and oranges, but hey, when you're freelancing, you know, you will have your self-worth. I get it. And then the problem is, you know, I tell people, like, you know, some people assume that, hey, you know what? Wow, Jay, you are getting paid this much amount of money. And strictly speaking, Jay, I am younger than you. I have better facilities, Jay. I have a better degree. I have better this. I have better that. So obviously, I should get paid more than you. So that also, that those kind of questions come up. And I really don't have an answer for that. Because I'm not the one deciding. The client decides how much you get paid. As I said, the, the final price is the ultimate truth. So you have a choice here, either get out of the game, continue complaining that you're not getting what you feel, or maybe accept the truth. You know, defeatism is not always a bad thing. Once again, my whole December health situation, I mean, I had to resign to the fact that, okay, uh, my body can't handle winter. Okay, I, I have to cancel my vacation plans. It is defeatism, but just because the word defeatism has defeat in it doesn't automatically make it a bad thing. 
You know, it's like it's like all those tennis players when they get older, they they can they can they feel they can sense their body getting slower. It doesn't matter that they've been they were number one for ten years, five years, you know, top of the game and stuff like that. Eventually, the body catches up. That's not defeatism. It's just a natural progression of life. So same thing here. So. That is where, you know, your self-worth comes in. Don't inflate your self-worth. Wait till you have enough data. And the opposite happens as well. A lot of times, I, I, in my own life, I feel like, okay, I'm not worth something. But then a client actually says, hey, Jay, you know what? Why are you charging so less? And I tell them, really? I'm worth more than that? And they're like, yeah, man. And I want to give you a higher price. Uh, that happens. Look, I, a lot of people assume that uh, clients are this monstrous people who only want to squeeze every dollar out, dollar of work out of you. Not really. A lot of clients are actually nice people, especially the kind of you know, small business clients that I work with. Not everything is about money. Sometimes clients have come and tell me, Jay, you know what? You are actually worth more than this amount of money and I would like to pay you a little extra and I ask them why and they even have a business reason for it they say look man maybe today you don't know your self-worth but tomorrow you might realize and then you know someone else might offer a better amount of money and you know you're a freelancer you can leave anytime and I don't want that to happen I, I like working with you and I want to keep you I don't want to lose you for another client who who, who is ready to pay you more. I don't want that to happen. At least not in the middle of a project. So yeah, I would like to pay you more now itself because you are worth more than what you think you are. So again, self-worth, you can inflate it, you can deflate it, but eventually, but yeah, so please, you know, the problem is, and why, 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 am I, why did I, you know, again, what about the ego thing? So there is the self-worth thing and there's the ego part. So whenever someone tells you, like in, in this case, me, you know, when you're consulting me, when you're talking to me, when you're taking advice from me, I will point out some problems with your work style. You know, by far the biggest issue, and I have spoken about this, I think, in every episode and in all my blog posts. I mean, I think this is like part of my lifestyle. I think the first question I ask people is, how punctual are you? Because punctuality seems to be a perennial problem with freelancers, especially newcomers and those who are not really succeeding in their efforts. Punctuality is such a big issue. I always that is usually my first question. So if the, if a session is at six p.m., what time do you, you know are you at the meeting? If it's an online thing. What time do you come in front of your computer? If it's a face-to-face -face meeting, how early do you reach the location? A lot of people say, okay, 4 p.m. means I'll be there at exactly 4 p.m. Now, that is when I know we have a problem. Now, personally, I have, I can count in one hand, maybe two hands as I grow older, number of times I've been late to any meeting. Even personal meetings, I'm never late. If it's a face-to-face -face meeting, I'm early by at least 30 minutes. If it's an online meeting, I'm again early by 30 minutes. That's just who I am. And, and if anybody is serious about freelancing, you know, please, you have to be early. That has so much benefits. I mean, I'll talk about that in another episode. But yeah, you know, small things matter a lot. So again, 
if you really think you're worth a lot of money then start doing stuff which tells your client that you're worth a lot of money otherwise reduce yourself for if you still feel okay a meeting is at 4 p.m and you're gonna show up exactly at 4 p.m huh i don't think you're worth a lot but again you know if you're doing something legal or unethical or you're like amazingly talented then you know the normal rules of economics will not apply to you i'm not talking about exceptionally talented individuals here I mean, such people don't have to seek out work i'm talking about the average joe you know average guys like me then yeah so self-worth and the problem is when i point them out these problems again communication for some reason freelancers never seem to spend enough time working on their communication i am not even talking about english spoken english I'm talking about your general style of working. I'm talking about how you send chat messages. I'm talking about how nicely your emails are written. I'm talking about how, you know, well you speak to your client. You know, how do you react when a client gives you bad news? How do you react when a client gives you good news? Do you show empathy? You know, a lot of times we are working with a client, they tell me, "Hey, you know what? my mother my mother passed away now how do you react when a client says something like that how do you show empathy or a client says he's about to get married how do you react to something like that or how do you handle your client communication when something is going bad you know for example every 6 months or every once in a year uh, with a client i have to talk to my client and talk about increasing the prices any kind of increase in expenses is uncomfortable but how do you do that with your client So communication is not just about English there are so many other things and when people come to me asking for advice i tell them hey you know what this is a problem you have this problem that problem that problem i make a full list and i always show proof data that i have collected about them before giving my advice i don't just speak things nilly willy it's that's really not my style and that is where the ego comes in a picture you know there is self worth and then there is the ego tagging along where you are desperate for working you are desperate for money and then here you are unable to accept feedback especially from a guy who you came looking for feedback oh man that, that that is the crazy part about it i mean you are here it's like you go to the doctor and then when the doctor gives you bad news you try to strangle your doctor You never do that if the doctor says something it must be true. And similarly when you are talking to you know a guy you are counseling with and he says that this is wrong about your career maybe you know your character then maybe there is some truth in it. And then but your ego cannot handle it. How many number of times I met young people who have the higher self worth plus they have a massive ego. When I tell them you know especially the communication I talk to them I tell them hey you know what your english sucks. and of course your communication style is really bad for any kind of business environment and they are not able to handle it i don't know where that comes from and th- that's where i feel thinking okay so on one side you think you're worth a lot of money and on the other side you refuse to take feedback and now you're actually angry at me for giving you a piece of advice which might fundamentally improve your ability to make money and that is what i call a fragile ego park your ego aside put it aside trust me nothing good can come out of it whether it is business or personal life like today i'm like 40 years old and and i i have people giving me advice i have people giving me feedback 
sometimes people ask i mean even kids give me feedback i'm always i always tell people you know the, the feedback give it to me give it to me i'll take it sometimes people say very negative things about me and i don't get angry i don't i park my ego and listen to someone and i've added to my notes even if it's something which is feels obvious or sometimes you know feedback can also be an insult and that's fine with me even an insult is a feedback i take it i make a note in my diary and i think about it i think about it for a day i think about it for a week and then i go and do some research about it i collect more data from other people like if one person says jay you know this you did this and that was not cool i'll go and ask some five other people similar scenarios and collect some data if all five people out of five four people say yes jay you have this problem then i will be like wow okay that is something i got to fix even if it hurts my ego i will be like hey i need to improve that let me do that you know for, for example you know when i was younger like when i was younger even few years ago multiple people would tell me that i have anger issues you know multiple people would say they are scared to talk to me and i i thought that was weird and then i decided okay if if people from different age groups and different locations are telling that to me there must be some truth in it and i started making notes you know i have a very thorough approach to solving problems so i identified the problem i have anger issues i got to work on that and after that what i did i started making notes i was i built a system to contain my anger i realized i was actually getting angry angry sometimes so i started making notes i started devising solutions like for example when i get frustrated the first thing i do is i become calm i i tell anybody who i'm getting angry at i'll tell them you know what i want to go to the restroom i don't really want to go to the restroom but i do want to go away from the conversation for 5 minutes let my mind calm down and after 5 minutes if i'm still not calm down i'll tell them i have some health emergency or a personal emergency and we should talk about this some other time or i'll tell them can we use chat can we use email or i'll tell them can we continue the conversation tomorrow if that is possible so i i started adopting these systems and and for the last couple of years at least complaints about me being a angry person have come down well i would say no one has complained in the last 2 years that i am angry you know i scare them well there are people who say i this this to scare them for different reasons like some people say like i am so punctual they are intimidated it's not scare anymore but more like intimidation like hey man you know what i am intimidated to work with you because you have these principles and stuff like that which are hard to match up to you know stuff like that so i don't think that is scared but more like intimidation but in a good way i think it's a good way i know but anyway so the anger thing right so a lot of people told me and i worked on it i accepted it and in fact i i even talk about it openly like i'm doing right now hey you know what yeah i got an anger management problem i'm working on it i'm fixing it i don't think these things will go away forever but i can reduce the severity i can definitely reduce it i can acknowledge the problem and try to become a better person if that is possible and i am seeing a lot of positive improvements 
I've seen people no longer complain about me being angry at them. I mean, I, I'm still firm, but I, and also there's a, sometimes when I get, I remember, look, a couple of years ago, I would occasionally, not occasionally, frequently, when I get angry, I would use profanity and that also affected some relationship. I mean, as it is from a childhood age, I've used very little profanity, but still it was some amount of profanity. And then uh, along with this anger moment thing, I told myself, you know what? We're not going to use any bad words. Even something like uh, bullshit. <laughs> even using that word makes me feel bad about myself. I avoid using even that. I will say cow dung. <laughs> it seems more decent, you know, more child-friendly. So, so, so I, I started adopting these, these ways of communication. If I had to use a bad word, you know, I reserve it for extreme circumstances. Even then, I avoid it. I'll find an alternative. Uh, you know, like I said, again, instead of saying bullshit, I'll say cow dung. <laughs> uh, or cow excrement. More scientific, huh? So like that, like that, you know. So when someone gives you feedback, and people, trust me, people from all walks of life can give you feedback from unexpected sources. And then if you are able to park your ego, you will improve. And that will have positive impact on your lifestyle. And, and you know, people like to separate their personal life from their professional life or business life. I don't think that's possible because what you are outside your office is what you are in your office as well. Like if I'm punctual, I'm punctual in my personal life and in my business life. And I can't separate that. I know I've seen some people, they're like, hey, you know what? I am punctual in office life, but I'm very impunctual, if that's even a word, outside office life. And I always think that is crazy. Why would you want to do a distinction between being you are who you are? Why should you change just because you're in office? You know, why can't you just be yourself? At least that's what I believe. That's what I am. So that's the thing. So egos. So ultimately, as I wrap up this, well, kind of lengthy episode, please understand that you have self-worth. Sometimes it might be inflated. You want to tamper it down. But if you want to tamper it down, you need to collect feedback. And the feedback collection happens when you're able to park your ego because the ego and self-worth, they go hand in hand. So you should be willing to park your ego so that you are more open to feedback. And then hopefully you'll realize what your self-worth is. And you know what the best part is? If you can park your ego and you become more open to feedback, your self-worth actually increases. Because a lot of people realize, hey, you know what? This person, this guy, usually freelancers are guys. This guy is, is in a position to take feedback. You know, that's a guy I want to work with. So, yeah. So that's, that's, that's what this episode is about. So thank you.